1: How did the Warriors pull this game out? Do the Cavaliers need to break up their team? Who is next in line to become champion? The only question left is, say it with me, you win. Hey sports fans, Coach Nick here and welcome to the beball Breakdown Podcast slash live postgame show. <laughs> it's the last one this season, hard to believe Dave, but here we are. And it's uh, an incredible thing, and I forgot to turn off the volume on this. But anyway, here we are, Dave. What's happening? What are your reactions off the bat? Uh,
0: I'm, I'm shocked. I, I'm really happy that we got three competitive games. I thought the Cavs really showed – well, they showed me something I didn't realize they had, was that they could actually score with the Warriors team, um, you know, re- regardless of their defense – they were able to stay in these last three games. Well, and then obviously they blew them out in, in game four. But uh the the series was much more competitive than I expected. And I'm of the opinion that uh, that the Cavs could potentially win the title next year.
1: Oh, interesting. Uh, okay, even though they so they lost in five and it was they had a couple blowouts that they lost, and they had they had a blowout win as well. Uh, you you have to imagine they need to add somebody, and I think here's one of the issues, and I just sort of thinking about this as we were coming to air was, so Kyrie Irving is a singular talent and it is pretty much the Warriors' killer. I feel like when he goes off, they have the biggest chance of winning because we know what LeBron's going to do anyway. But he breaks down, right? He's broken down in pretty much every series, uh, you know, except for last year, he managed to get all the way through, even though I think he was, he was beat up then too. Uh, clearly had back issues and knee issues they were working on. And it just You know, he just didn't have it down the stretch.
0: Yeah, I mean, he had, he had 26 points tonight. He was actually plus four for the game in 42 minutes and uh you know his knee issues are really really troubling to me this is not obviously this is not the first time um i'm pretty sure that left knee is arthritic and and i wonder you know is this going to be an issue as his career good you know he's not getting any younger and is this going to be a thing that's going to start to hamper him he's already not Uh, he's, he's vertically challenged. Let's say like he's a below the rim player. Um, so, so maybe it doesn't hurt as much as it would, you know, a guy who, who relies on athleticism a little bit more, but, um, you know, you gotta be able to play. You gotta be able to be on the court at full strength. And, and he had moments tonight, but yeah, he looked off.
1: Yeah. Uh, and also, um, you know, But he didn't look that off. I mean, here's the thing. He might be vertically challenged, doesn't get up in the air very high, but it doesn't seem to matter because the Duke can just get the ball in amongst the trees. It really is impressive what he can do. So uh, that is the one thing that kind of struck me. They certainly need more talent, right? Like for them to really compete and try and win this series, they need another like singular talent. You know, a guy like Paul George or something like that, I would imagine. I, I You know, for as good as J.R. Smith was shooting the ball, um, he is equally bad on defense. He really is. And I don't think Cavs fans necessarily want to, to accept that. But uh, when you're playing against a team that moves as well as the Warriors do, you can't have continual miscommunication and continual mistakes. Uh, and it's frustrating because he's just canceling out all the greatness he had on the other end. Swear to God, I mean, he hit that four-point play. They he missed the darn free throw. But uh, he was hitting threes like he was unconscious um that's just the perils you have it's an an imperfect team I think whereas the Warriors seem to have a lot uh a lot less holes and the holes that they do have are kind of covered except for Zaza and I feel like I mentioned to you earlier I I swear he feels like he's got money down on the Cavs sometimes in a couple of these games he was that bad uh did you can you defend his play at all tonight
0: no he was minus nine in in 10 minutes tonight in a game that the Warriors wound up winning by nine um the the let's see I don't have the numbers for I don't have the lineup data yet but uh Draymond Green was plus 19 in 44 minutes Kevin Durant plus 18 uh let's see David West was plus 16 in 11 minutes ego Dallas plus 18 Zaza yeah. Pachulia there's no there's no reason to have him on the court at all and, and you know if I'm the Warriors I'm not trying to bring that guy back he he doesn't really add any value um outside of I, I mean somewhat his defensive rebounding, but I mean he's a good he's good at boxing out. But other than that, no, I just I just don't get why you would why you would bother, even on the minimum deal. I, I don't see it.
1: Right. And I have a vision of JaVale McGee, like they work with him and they give him confidence and they teach him a little bit better how to play the pick and roll and they figure out a little bit better how to how to defend the pick and roll with him because I feel like they just didn't know how to do it. And I did a quick mini-edit today on Twitter where we were showing a lot of the possessions where he was getting scored on. He hasn't really played that much, so it wasn't that many. There was probably, I think, I think Sportview had more, but what I could find was about seven or eight. But he probably was only defending about 15 or 16 total. And so, uh, if they could kind of give him enough confidence, let him play through the mistakes in the regular season when it doesn't matter as much... um, then they could be they could be even greater than they were this year with him playing. I think they I could think. be. I mean, it would be night and day because Zaza really just is that clumsy. He is that stupid sometimes when he tries these stupid holds, these old pro tricks when he doesn't need to do it, and they would get a layup anyway. It just really frustrates me for just dumb basketball. Doesn't really fit with the way the way the rest of the people play.
0: Well, and you know, it also it takes the Warriors out of the things that they're trying to do. It pisses them off. You know, you, you watch them and they'll go after him. When he does a, a stupid, just, you know, like uh, tonight, I forget, who did he grab? Kevin Love on yeah. a Draymond layup or something like that. And it was just, you know, Draymond's like, I don't need you to do that. You know, Draymond's great at hitting the dump off. I'll tell you, you know, the, the other thing about the JaVale versus Zaza thing, Boget was an underrated lob threat. He was actually good at catching the lob. And I think that, you know, that vertical spacing, like if you're going to start a traditional center on this team, it needs to be someone who can, you know, you can throw them in a pick and roll and they're a lob threat. You need that vertical spacing. That helps, you know, since you've got a non-shooter, that helps get that lineup to be more death-like than not. And so I, I think that that's the difference between JaVale and, Z- and Zaza. So, yeah, I'm with you on on JaVale being the primary starter next year. Um but, but you know, that's, that's stuff we get to talk about all summer. Sure. Uh, well, le- yeah, because let's talk a little bit about today. So I think right. that,
1: that what ended up happening uh, in, uh, offensively for the, the Warriors, and probably like I think that they were probably like frustrated that they had to do this, was they really just turned to the Curry, KD pick and roll, like almost exclusively it felt like, right? Like they just ran it to the ground. And rightfully so. I mean, Iguodala had, I think, what, five alley-oop dunks or something crazy like that? It seemed like that. Uh, they could not stop that at all. And I feel like, you know, the Warriors don't run pick and roll. That's not their thing. They're like one of the lower teams in the league that actually does it in terms of, you know, percentage of time. But, um, you know, when it comes – when push comes to shove and you got to deal with that pressure and the physicality, uh, you know, you just got to go with what's going to get you there, and that's what
0: happened. Well, you know, for, for all of our haranguing about Steve Kerr not making in-game adjustments, not, not putting – Steph and KD and pick and roll more and letting them work with the ball in their hands. So they break it out tonight and what do you know? It works. Yeah. Now this game, this game wound up being close and I, I'm going to put all of that on Zaza Pachulia. Um, I, I don't think that this game is within 15 points if he doesn't play, uh, the, the Cavs, you know, we're lucky to get those 10 minutes with him on the court. But, right. um, what we saw tonight was Steve Kerr. I think he made a conscious decision to save, that stuff to save, you know, going with the death lineup more, to save the Curry-KD pick-and-roll, to save it for when they actually needed it, which, you know, would if I were them, it would have been in Game 4, but, you know, what do I know? Um, and the other thing I noticed was that they started the fourth quarter with KD and then snuck him a rest, like you and I have been saying for the whole playoffs, basically. So, uh, you know, glad glad to know that... that like before games they're able to make adjustments now right. we need to see them do it during games
1: right well and we also yeah we did not see i don't think any moment where they didn't have either sev or curry uh or uh kd on the floor at the same at one one of them on the on the floor uh, at one, at any one time and that was what you were saying cuz they had curry on the bench throughout the fourth quarter with kd out there and then they, they snuck him out but they had curry out so on the floor so it worked out fine um, and, yeah, I think you're right. Without Zaza doing his stuff, yeah, they, it's not a, it, the game isn't as close. Um, but, you know, you, 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 you dance with the guy that brought you there or the woman who brought you there, and, um, and that's, I'm sure that's what they were kind of sticking to. But um, either way, uh, I think what came back to haunt the Cavaliers as it, we've been harping on the ad nauseum is their, um, their transition defense uh, just never got better. Um, and whenever they could get a chance to run, you know, it was over. And I think that would be an interesting breakdown, too. The the amount of – every time they ran, like the percentage of of fast breaks versus how many points they scored had to have been very high. There were just moments in those games when they just stopped fast breaking and the Cavaliers were able to to, uh, close the gap.
0: Yeah, there were a couple of possessions, like they were either back-to-back or within, you know, two or three possessions. Um, Kevin Durant got a wide-open dunk. Uh, on, on a miscommunication with LeBron and Kyrie and then Andre Iguodala snuck behind LeBron. Again, miscommunication. No one No one called him out. And this is the kind of stuff that you and I pointed out all year. It is impossible to make up for bad habits. Just because you've, you're deciding to try harder. Communication is all, like on defense, is all about the habits that you develop during the regular season. And hopefully the, the Cavs realize this after this playoff run and next year go into it thinking, hey, maybe we need to try a little bit harder and, and work on these things during the season rather than just, you know, coast like they did.
1: Coast is a good word to use, Dave. And if you want to coast into a game or a concert event near you, then there's no question you have to use SeatGeek. So forget the Andersons. They can't get tickets to the game as easy as you can with just a few taps of your phone on the SeatGeek app. It's by far the best way to buy tickets to sporting events and concerts. It searches multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. Plus, you can see the vantage point from every seat. And they are guaranteed, so you know your seats are legit. So whether you want to watch LeBron and Kyrie, Steph or Durant, or Rose and Noah, use SeatGeek to find your tickets. Plus, you'll get $20 off your first purchase if you use my code, CoachNick. That's right. I've got some serious clout over there and managed to get you a nice discount. So ignore all the other codes you hear and type in Coach Nick in the setting under promo code and get yourself in on all the live action that SeatGeek has to offer, from sporting events to concerts, comedy clubs, and the Theta. SeatGeek! I agree, and I also think that um, right. I I think that there's a mindset there. You have LeBron, and you're invincible, and you want to rest and all these different things. Because again, I don't. I have a hard time picturing an NBA practice like in February, practicing transition defense. Right, that you're going to wear. That's tiring. You're going to wear them out. You're going to run. But again, you know, it's it's those weird things that they needed to do it. And, And I also think that again. You know, you had brought it up a little bit earlier at some point uh, a couple of weeks ago where you felt like they really did tank to avoid Washington. And um, I, I kind of really – the more I think about it, the more it kind of felt like you were right. I mean, it seems diabolical in some weird way. How could they really have pictured all that happening the way it did? But um, it seems like that was correct. Yeah. I
0: mean, I, I, like – and it was smart. It was smart. I mean, the, the only challenge they would have gotten in the East, I think, is from the Wizards. Because the Wizards really were were kind of built with them in mind. I mean, they matched up really well, as we saw during the regular season. So, yeah, I, I think it was a great move. And, and, again, the Cavaliers, they shocked me. They really did. I, I mean, I thought it was going to be a sweep, and I thought it wouldn't be close. Now, not that five games and four games is that big of a difference, but the reality is that these last three games – To me, we're a little bit more demonstrative about the the gap than the first two. I think the first two, that was Golden State. I mean, you know, home finals at their peak, really riding high. And you can throw those out just like I would throw out the blowout the the Cavs blowout where they set the you know record for most points in a quarter, most points in a half, and most threes made, right? So throw those three games out, and I think these last you know those two that you're left with the closer games where it's like a you know an eight to ten point difference uh, for the Warriors' favor. I think that's a little bit better. Which to me, if I'm the Cavs, that's that's a good thing going into next year because I would have assumed it was a sixteen to twenty point difference. Okay, if, if that makes any sense whatsoever. No, it does. I hear you. Loud and clear. So you're
1: right. Okay, so I guess what you're saying is it's a lot closer than it might feel in a, for a five-game series. And so, um, yeah, I, I think that they, just, they need to upgrade a little bit here. The only, the only thing that, that I don't have clear in my mind that you're better at this with me than me anyway is the salary structure of their team where it ain't going to be a free agent signing as far as I can tell unless someone you know, who they, what they need is going to take you know a quarter of the amount of money they're worth. So what are they going to do here?
0: Well, uh, all right. So they they're they've got some options. You know, um, they could try to convince a uh, a team to take Tristan Thompson. I think Tristan Thompson is definitely available. The issue is, what do you get back? I just don't know. I don't know. It, you know, he he's got a big contract. Is anyone going to want to take him and give you an asset? Um, their their salary next year is at 129 million committed. Right now, the cap is going to be 102. So they're already ahead of the above the cap. So they're looking at mid-level exception, minimum deals, things like that. Um, Darren Williams might come back now. I thought I had thought that he made himself some money with his play during the season because he was pretty good. But I think the way he played in the finals, uh, he may be coming back. So, you know, maybe they keep Darren Williams. Um, You know, Channing Frye will be in the last year of his, his deal. Maybe they move him, try to get some more pieces. Uh, don't know if Richard Jefferson's coming back. Uh, let's see, J- Jr. they still got Jr. for three more years at, uh, you know, it'll escalate up to about 15 mil a year. So they are kind of strapped for cash. They, they can't really go out and just say, uh, you know, hey, Blake Griffin, come sign with us. Right. They're going to have to make some trades. Um, I think if anyone of the big three is going to get moved, I mean, obviously, LeBron's not getting moved. <laughs> right. I don't think Kyrie would get moved. It, it would have to be some some massive deal to to move him. I would I would imagine. Um I think Kevin Love is the most likely to move. And you know, if if I'm Indiana, I'm I'm calling the Cavs tomorrow and I'm saying, "Hey, we know we're going to lose Paul George. Would you be willing to give up Kevin Love and do it straight up?" Okay. Because because better to get Kevin Love for him. And and you have Kevin Love under contract for th- uh, two more years. He's got a uh, player option in 1920. So two years of Kevin Love instead of one kind of lame duck year of Paul George, where you lose him for nothing. So right, right, yeah,
1: um, yeah. And that's an interesting uh, scenario because they have Miles Turner, who was a you know a budding young big man who can play some defense down there, which could. Would help him. They can also stretch the floor. That would be a lot of shooting in theory for the Pacers. Um, and the only question that that brings us then is that we know what that forces. It forces LeBron to have to play power forward almost exclusively, and he simply has not wanted to do that. Even though that's where he needed to be, and that's what we saw him do so much of his damage in this series. So um, maybe that's the the last final straw they can convince him to do it because the irony here is that Paul George is supposed to play the power forward position of the Pacers and also, you know, backed off too, didn't want to handle it. I just think that also every year that goes by that the physicality of the power forward position is probably less and less as we move along. And so it maybe, you know, by next year, it won't be as big of a deal and LeBron will be willing to do it.
0: It's turning into another wing, essentially. Yeah, and what what you really need there is you need a guy who you know can shoot threes, can can switch onto other wings, smaller wings, and not get completely roasted. Um, can occasionally switch onto a point guard, and can rebound. And, and you know, like that's uh, there, there's what eight guys in the league that can do that. Uh, you know that, that are that kind of have that positional length. Um, so it, it is a premium. And if I'm in, you know, if I'm the Cavs, I don't have any draft picks. I don't have any cash space. I'm going to have to do it through a trade. I've got a decision to make. It, you know, is Kevin Love going to get me over the hump or not? And I don't think that they if, – if I was running the Cavs, I wouldn't trade Kevin Love. I would bring this team back and I would try to, try to hit on some of these older free agent signings. You know, maybe you pick up like a Patrick McCaw type in the second round or something like that. Mm-hmm. Someone who can come in right away and contribute. Um, you know, maybe look for some guys out of the D-League, something like that. Like, you know, imagine if, if the Cavs had a Jonathan Simmons. Yeah. You know, he would he would have been in the rotation in the finals and that makes a difference for them. You know, maybe it's a 2-2 series coming in tonight. If they had a guy who could play any defense or and occasionally hit a three. So, that's I think that's where you got to be creative, but but they've got this huge issue in their front office right now. David Griffin's contract just expired like just expired after this game. And the Cavs have actually had four GMs in the last 12 years. All of them have served served one contract and not been resigned. And David Griffin is a damn good GM. And I mean, teams have already been wanting to talk to him. You know, the Bucks wanted him. Uh, They haven't hired anyone yet. The magic wanted him. They've already hired someone, but there's, you know, if David Griffin's available, He's got he's got options. He's got places to go. So, uh, you know, they've got to figure out that thing first. I mean, we got the draft coming up next week, and are they you know are they going to try to make a move? Maybe they try to make a move, and uh, and move up in the draft to to try to get a younger guy who could come in and contribute. I don't know. Um, Their their options are limited because they're a cap sheet, but I still like this team. I I think that if it's me, Mm -hmm. I'm like. Let me see if I can get an impact guy in the mid-level um, and the, or the room exception. Try to sign some minimum guys and go that route and run it back. And, you know, you never know. Maybe Durant gets hurt. Maybe Curry gets hurt. Maybe Draymond gets hurt. Something like that. And then next thing you know, we're switching this conversation around and we're talking about the Warriors. What are they going to do this summer, you know?
1: Yeah, well, a lot of things there. Uh, I would be surprised if Griffin didn't, uh, you know, get re-signed. But then again, they probably could have. They had all the opportunity to extend him this whole year, right? And then give him another contract. They didn't do that. So I suppose they were kind of waiting to see what was going to happen in the finals. But... You're right. The guy's been hand tied or whatever that word is. Uh, he's been handcuffed uh, and he's done the best he can with, with a very difficult situation. I'm sure he's cost the owners quite a lot of money uh, because they've been over the cap. But whatever, they, they're competing. They're going to make some of that money back. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if I would bring this, this group back uh, as it is because, um, you know, they've lost two of the three. And, um, you know, it, it, I, I don't know. I, my, the funny thing is, is, you know, Kevin Love seems like the natural thing to, to go. Uh, for some reason, J.R. Smith is the guy I feel like needs to go. They, they need to upgrade him, get somebody a little more steady um, who can still shoot a little bit but who can play better defense. Like a McCaw. I don't know if that's a McCaw. Eh, if he would be a He's two, not one. ready for that. But, by the way, this was the Patrick McCaw game. We need to give him some props. He, he was He was the guy in that Phil Jackson mode. You throw in, like, the Bobby Hanson who comes in and hits a couple shots, plays some defense. Did really well. Uh, they had that one bogus call on him uh, on a cross screen, uh, and I tweeted it out, and people didn't even quite get what I was trying to say. But basically, you have a rookie in there who's unheralded and people know him. They're just going to throw him a foul for, for breathing on somebody. But um, either way, it was, it's really been exciting to watch a guy like that, and that's the culture, and that's the, the player development that they have there. Uh, here's a kid that everyone had a chance on. Nobody wanted to touch. And I'm telling you, he's going to be better. I think he could be better than Iguodala ultimately.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, I think he's definitely the talent is there. Um, Remember, he was a point guard in college, so you know his upside as far as a playmaker and as a ball handler is is much higher than what we've seen. You know, like he's got he's got more to his game than what we've seen. You saw a little bit tonight where he was he was quickly making the extra pass, no hesitation. And you and I have talked about this quite a bit. I've been high on McCaw since he was drafted, and one of my issues with him was that. I felt like he held the ball a beat too long too often. Yeah, and you know the sometimes the moment felt a little too big for him tonight. I thought he was fantastic. I mean he was he was making he was out there making plays. He was minus three in the twelve minutes he played, but he was still making an impact. Um, you know, like he had a, he had a huge uh, offensive rebound, which I thought was was just for a rookie that was just an amazing play. And uh, yeah, I mean I, I love that guy.
1: Absolutely. And so, you know, again, that's the kind of thing where you know the Warriors are probably going to have to deal with some stuff, too, going into the offseason as well. Who are they going to bring back and, and whatever? Um, and they, they, I think Iguodala, did you say, is he a free agent?
0: Iggy is a free agent. Livingston's a free agent. Um, but I think that they're going to keep the band together because Kevin Durant has agreed essentially to take the early bird max, which basically means it's not a full max which allows them to re-sign Iguodala and Livingston um, with, without, like, renouncing. They can re-sign Kevin Durant without renouncing those guys, basically. Okay. And that'll allow them, yeah. They have to sign Durant into cap space. Right. So they don't have to renounce those other guys. To, you know, it's, it's tricky. But it, Kevin Durant basically is allowing them, by signing this contract, allowing them to keep everyone. Uh, uh, yeah. Ian and then, Clark, yeah. I think, will be gone, though. Uh, Ian Clark will be gone. Okay, and
1: then and then that is also looking forward into the, into the future when Steph Curry needs to be resigned to the
0: max max. Steph Curry's Steph Curry's getting the max max this summer. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, so his deal expires this summer. That's right. He'll okay. be getting the five year, two hundred million or whatever, two hundred and four yeah. or two hundred one. The numbers aren't out yet, but but once they do the audit, we'll have those numbers. So yeah, right. he'll be getting the five year max. KD will sign a, a one plus one, basically the early bird. And, uh, you know, I imagine, I imagine Iguodala is going to take a bit of a pay cut, but you may have some, some sort of inner politicking where KD says, well, if I'm taking a pay cut, I want these guys to get paid. Ah, okay. So, so who knows? Um, but tonight when I was watching Livingston, I just couldn't help but think, man, there's some teams out there that could really use a Sean Livingston. Like imagine if, if the Cavaliers had Sean Livingston instead of Darren Williams. Oh, yeah. You know, or the San Antonio Spurs or any team that could use a really good backup point guard that plays good defense um, and is smart. So 29 other teams besides the Warriors, right? Like Right. Uh, oh, and so. and a,
1: not only is he smart, he can post up. And it's he a can. real anomaly for, for teams. And it's not like sometimes you try and go, oh, well, I got a bigger point guard against a tiny guy. We're going to post him up. But he's never done that all year long. This is the guy that can do it consistently. is very good at that. Uh, and, you know, he, he guarded LeBron a little bit. I mean, he can guard some positions, too. It, it really is. So do you think there's a possibility he might leave on his own volition to get more minutes somewhere?
0: Well, I don't think it's about minutes. But, you know, remember, you know, he, he hasn't really made a ton of money in his career. And this could wind up being, I mean, he's what, 31, I believe. And uh, this could be the last kind of decent deal he's able to get. So there's a chance someone comes in and says, hey, we'll we'll give you 11 or 12 million to come play here. Some team that like the Nets that just has empty cap space and could use a culture setter like a Sean Livingston, you know, something like that. That would be a concern if I'm the Warriors, you know, can I can I can I hang on to him? Maybe the Timberwolves, you know. They, the Timberwolves, to me, are a dark horse for Iguodala. If Iguodala is not willing to take a little bit less, I think the Timberwolves could come in and, and offer Iguodala something in the fourteen to fifteen range, just to try to get again a culture setter, good defender. You know, you overpay a little bit for that when you've got space and you've got right. young guys. And so, yeah, they they've got. I mean, the the Warriors' offseason is probably going to be as climatic, you know as climactic as their their regular season was as far as like things happening and all you know a bunch of different moving parts so
1: right and also you have to imagine that the other teams just to muck it up are going to try and lure those guys just to get out of there so that could do something we got a good question on on twitter from jake anderson who asks i think that lebron's gone after 2018 Cavs have no resources guessing you're in agreement if so where's the number one landing spot so do it do you think it's possible that lebron is going to make another decision
0: I think it is possible. I mean, look, he came home uh, there. You know, there's a big story that came out this week. His family couldn't believe that that he was going to play for Dan Gilbert after the Comic Sans letter. Um, When he was coming back, he was trying to engineer a franchise trade where the Pistons ownership and the Cavs ownership basically traded. Oh! Did did you not read about this? No. When did that happen? You have to check it out. It's it's an interesting idea. And I mean, you want you want to talk about a power play? That's a power play. Um, I I think he won the championship. I don't feel like. Look, I've never felt any of these players owe anyone anything. You know, they work. They work. They do their best. I guess. You know, they work. They get paid, and that's that's it. Like it's their job. You don't owe anyone anything. Um, But if you feel like you're part of a community and you owe them a championship. Well, guess what? He won a championship. So if LeBron wants to leave to, to go to greener pastures or to ex- extend his championship window, you know, he'll he'll be 33 next season. Uh, he'll turn 33 next season. So, I mean, he's going to opt out. I think that there's a chance. I mean, I look at a team like the Lakers. You know, they they'll have space. They'll be on their way up. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe he goes to LA. I don't, I don't know if he goes, if he wants to go West because right. then you gotta, you gotta get through the Warriors. Um, but you know, maybe Miami again. Wow. I don't know. Has he burned the bridge with, with Pat Riley? Who knows? Uh, but I definitely don't think that it's a lock that he stays in Cleveland for the rest of his career.
1: Okay, that's uh, I mean, you know, I I guess the precedent is there, like where, you know, we we has he's willing to do it. And if he feels like he's got a better shot somewhere else, which kind of speaks to the notion of like going to Cleveland, wasn't necessarily going home. It was going to a place where he felt like he could engineer something that would get him the best chance to win more than going home. Although I guess it was nice that he got home. But either way, I always kind of felt that way about that decision.
0: Maybe. Hey, maybe he signs a minimum deal with the Warriors. (laughs) <laughs> oh, wow. Hey,
1: that, okay. that would, there's your 82-0 scenario you pitched last time. So uh, let's, let's go – I have another question from Brown Job over on um, uh, Twitter. Hopefully it's not a uh, some sort of uh, controversial Twitter handle. He asks, why do people hate the Dubs? With the exception of KD, they built their team from the ground up, Kerr overcoming health problems, and yet they still just hate on them. And I think it's an interesting question. Um, what are your
0: thoughts – Um, you know, I think anytime uh, anytime you have a team that's this good, you know, people are going to hate on them and and, and for numerous reasons. Right. Like some Warriors fans are uh, smug, I guess is a good word. Some people see the Warriors as smug, you know, like you're not supposed to be happy when you succeed. And um, I don't know. I think it's weird. To me, they're an extremely likable, likable team. They play a fun style. They're really good at their jobs. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just don't have a problem with it. I, like, you could you can maybe give me the thing where like Draymond, some of Draymond's antics could have turned the tide a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I I don't have a problem with them, but yeah. I, I try not to think in those terms anyway. Because
1: I, mean, I think it. Well, I mean, I get it a lot on Twitter. It's like a, a, a constant stream. I think part of it is the hate they have. People have for Steph Curry. And a lot of times the reasons are, oh, well, he's a showboat or he likes to, he celebrates, which is, I mean, the most complete nonsense because everybody does it. James Harden has his thing, LeBron has his thing. They all have some way they celebrate or whatever. And so I honestly don't think it's that um you know there could be very well be that sort of uh hipster thing going on in the bay area uh it was funny i took a picture i was in san francisco yesterday and i took a picture of a uh, bar outside it had a, a chalk drawing where it said lebron doesn't drink rosé but we do and yet it turns out that lebron does drink, drink rosé sure
0: um
1: you know it was not great cr- trash talk but um certainly high-minded and uh, erudite if you will so at any rate um and it's interesting, and, I, and I, I think it's worth exploring maybe in a podcast later this summer a little bit more about what that hate is for Curry because I feel like a lot it, it could ask, do, do a lot with uh, you know ex, uh, uh, appearance. I feel like they'll hate on him for the defense because he doesn't look like he's a defender, so he can't. Possibly right, not see
0: him. a good defender. He doesn't scowl, you know. His athleticism doesn't jump off off the the right. TV screen, you know. Like there's all these things, and then you know, and then there's there's some other crazy stuff you know, coded language stuff um, that, you know, maybe we need to bring in a third party to talk about. But there's right. plenty of that too. Yeah. Um, but to me, it's definitely, he, smi- he He probably smiles too much, I think is one thing. And, yeah, um, so and it's like just The Dwight syndrome? Yeah. You know, it's crazy to think that, you know, like this guy is, he's a Hall of Famer, right? Steph Curry is a Hall of Famer. He's one of the five best point guards of all time right now, today. What? He is the greatest shooter we've ever seen. Uh, he put up arguably the greatest offensive statistical season in NBA history last season. And still, people do not respect him. They think he's garbage. He was fantastic in the playoffs. He had one bad game, right? Uh, game four. He was fantastic in the playoffs and still is getting no respect. I mean, you, there's an argument to be made that he was the MVP of the finals.
1: Uh, You know, I keep my eye
0: on the thing. I'm assuming KD got it right. KD won. No, KD won, and rightfully so. But I'm saying Steph Curry was right behind. So you know, it's just garbage, man. I I think whatever the narrative is, it's a garbage narrative. All right. Well, hey, we got Amy, uh, contributor, people on
1: breakdown, uh, contributor. Amy uh, is is saying that he choosing that mouth guard. Damn, the thing. Pitt disappeared. I couldn't see the whole thing. But she's, uh, she doesn't like the way he's, he's choosing the, on the mouth guard. Well, it is disgusting, I will say that, and you know, people uh, usually react negatively to that. But you know what? It's his little thing. You know, LeBron likes to cough in his hand and pat his chest all the time. Curry chews that mouth guard.
0: Um, that's, that's what they had to soothe them, look, I suppose. So, look, my wife's a dentist, and that drives her nuts too. So yeah. <laughs> you know, she's right there with you. Right. And she well, loves Steph Curry. Yeah, yeah you, re- you know, I, I think yeah. this, this is one thing I will say. I think with with kids, and you know, like uh, casual fans, I think Steph Curry's approval rating is super high. Okay, like he's like Neil deGrasse Tyson level, like of approval. Like wow. you know, does anybody not like Neil deGrasse Tyson? No, never, I, well, I he
1: never answered a tweet I, I asked him about, so that's the only reason why I feel you know I feel guilty. But okay,
0: but but you know what I mean. I, I and I think that what it is is that. Uh, and, and especially since so much of our NBA viewing experience is through the lens of NBA Twitter, we are a little bit more in tune with the whole ne- – the negative part of the Curry experience where you know there are so many people that hate him or don't like him. I'm not going to say hate because I don't think anybody actually hates any of these guys. Um, but they don't like him. There's something about him that irks them, And, and it, that could be one of those things where it's like they're exposed to him too much. You know, I mean – ESPN is covering the Warriors just like they did the Bulls back in the '90s. Probably worse because you know now they've got you know four channels and it's 24 hours and all yeah. this stuff. So, so I will say that there's, there's definitely something there where it's like you're inundated with all this stuff all the time and it's just overexposure. So that's definitely a thing. But uh, I, I don't. I mean, I don't know. It, it just none of that stuff bothers me. I, I think they're a joy to watch and I love it. Fair enough. I, I hear you. I, I agree.
1: Now let's. I got a question I got from uh, Periscope. So while I'm asking that, maybe Dave, you can grab one from YouTube or something like that. But here's the question: yeah. that Aiden asks, "Do you feel that like the Bucks could be a championship team?" And I will jump into that, I guess, because uh, I think absolutely. I feel like the injury bug they had uh, to Middleton in the middle of the year really hurt them. And I, I'll wait, I'm sorry. Middleton came back, and then Parker went down again. And if they could get that healthy and playing for a full season and maybe grab one more player to, to kind of compliment that, everyone else, like a solid NBA player, I, I have no doubt that they are going to compete with uh, Cleveland if they keep their that team together. I think that they can offer a lot against them, especially because Giannis is a guy who they kept, you know, the way it matches up, LeBron has to guard him. And uh, that's exciting to me because – uh, here's a guy that hasn't really had to deal with that. I mean, he had to deal with it in the finals for the, probably the first time we've really seen him have to struggle defensively. And uh, I think that Giannis could do that in more because he's younger and he's got more energy even than KD. And, in fact, the, the, the argument could be that Giannis is KD 2.0, uh, and as soon as he develops a, like a 37% you know, three-point shot, which I think is definitely possible, then you know he could eclipse KD. I think that's certainly uh, it's on the table.
0: Yeah, well, you know, you and I talked about this during the Raptors series when, when I boldly predicted that the the, the Bucks were going to win in five. You know, I don't know how bold it was; pretty dumb. But uh, we we both thought that the Bucks would the way that they were playing that would actually be kind of a tough matchup for for the Cavs because of how long they are. And you know, we looked at them sort of like a it's like a non shooting version of the Warriors, but with more length and and what they were doing defensively was just. It was incredible, you know, getting to the playoffs experience matters a little bit and having a guy that can get a get you a bucket the way like DeMar DeRozan can. Well, the Bucks don't have that guy. So, you know, needless to say they weren't ready. But, yeah, I definitely think they're you know, they're three years away, let's say two or three years away from being real competitors. But I think next year they might make the little mini leap into the top half of the East.
1: Yeah yeah absolutely I mean a mini leap and yeah certainly top four is is should be their destiny and if who knows if they pull something else off in the off season that really upgrades them somewhere then uh, then it's higher so uh, I'm excited what do you what do you say as we start to wrap this up do you have a, a good YouTube one
0: I got a question from YouTube from uh, user Z's world Ooh. word Z's word yes uh, he asked who is the closest to winning a championship besides Cleveland and Golden State? I think that's a great question.
1: Yeah, that is a great question. Uh, is it the Spurs? Is it the Rockets? Is it the – I mean, because here's the thing. The Spurs feel like they could have beaten – if they were healthy, they could have beaten the Cavs. It kind of felt that way. They certainly seemed that way. The Rockets, I kind of felt like as a fluky, weird matchup thing because of the transition is so good that they could have beaten – they really could have hurt the Cavs. Um, but other than that, you know, like any, is there anybody in the East? I don't know. What do you think, Dave?
0: I, I don't think there's anyone in the East yet. Um, yeah. Let's see what let's see what the Celtics look like when they get Markel Fultz, right? And the Bucks. and and you know see if that unlocks some new things. Let's see what the Bucks look like next year. Let's see if Jabari Parker comes back healthy. I think Jabari Parker would have been a difference maker for the Bucks in that Raptors series. For Sure, um, I'm with you. I think the Spurs are right there. They they're, they're going to have an interesting summer. This summer is going to be so much fun. I like, cause it's so, there's so many different moving parts and there's, you know, some teams are going to be on their way down where, I mean, there's a lot of teams that have chance to go up. So, um, and I think the Rockets are behind the Cavs, but it's, it's the Warriors, the Spurs and the Cavs for sure. in that upper echelon.
1: For sure. For sure. And thank God we got these competitive games because I was a little bit worried the Cavs, you know, had they, had they, had they continue to get blown out and they kind of fizzled, they would have really felt like, that this is it. They really need to do something major to break that up. So uh, I do want to shout out uh, always, uh, is, it says that NJ got swept without Pippen. And I don't know, just kind of grabbed me and was able to, to grab it. The youngins out there, just so you understand, in the very beginning of NJ's career, they weren't, it wasn't a very good team. And the team that swept him in the first round, it was first of all a five-game series, so it was a three-game sweep. It was the Celtics. The, the greatest team short of the 95-96 Bulls and then now maybe the Warriors of this year or last year, that's how good that team was. So let's not pretend like he needed Pippen or whatever like to get a game. They got destroyed by one of the greatest teams of all time, and he had like Dave Corzine starting at center. So it's not like you know that meant anything. So just, just uh, you know pump the brakes on that whole early Jordan career thing that uh, just kind of frustrates me. I keep seeing that. But any other questions you have as we wrap up? No, I think we're good, man. I I, yeah. I think that this was a good pod. Yeah, absolutely. We covered a lot of ground. We do, you know. It's been a long season. We've done thirty-five of these. I think this is our thirty-fifth one, wow. uh, which is crazy. And uh, every week they keep getting better and better and bigger and bigger. And we can't thank you guys enough for joining us on this journey. And, hey, this doesn't end. We're going to be doing podcasts. And this is when the podcasting really explodes because we have all the stuff to cover on free agency and the draft and summer league. And we'll be out in summer league together. So we'll do some pods together. I'm looking forward to – we're going to be more busy than most any other outfit, I think.
0: Yeah, most likely. And, you know, if you guys like the the salary cap talk, this is, you know – this is what the summer is all about because, you know, the, the little mini cap spike that's coming, the new CBA and all this stuff, you know, that's going to be, this is where we're really going to see all that stuff come to fruition starting, you know, with free agency. Yeah. So
1: can you do a, and, a 10 second shout out to Larry's uh, thing that you're doing in, uh, in Vegas?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'll be, you know, going to Larry Coons, uh, I'll be a part of the sports business classroom at NBA summer league and, uh, you know Larry Kuhn, who is the what, what do we call him? The salary cap guru expert. He is the guy, um, and that that's my salary cap mentor. He, Eric Pincus and Nate Duncan, they're they're my salary cap mentors. So uh, I'll be working with them again this summer at Sports Business Classroom at Summer League, and uh, yeah. So hopefully I have, you know, I expand my knowledge on this stuff this summer. But I feel like I got a decent grasp on it, and so. Uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully we'll, we'll have a lot to talk about. I'm really excited for free agency.
1: Absolutely. Well, again, uh, thanks Dave for joining me on this crazy, great season. We really, uh, you know, it was great to be with you every week on this podcast and, uh, thank you all for coming and joining us on these post game shows and the podcast and on the videos, which has been exploding every week. It gets bigger. And, uh, thanks for everything. I can't wait to keep it up over the summer and, well, let's do it here. Don't forget, sports fans, at Bball Breakdown. Not a channel, we're a conversation. You in? Are you in, Dave?
0: Yes, I am.